Hello, everyone. Welcome to Brain Candy, episode 520. It makes me remember episode 420. Oh, my gosh. My favorite is the, what that episode was titled. The one where or, Sarah and Susie do actual drugs. <laughs> we sure uh, did. I'm still oh, recovering. so funny. Are, are you really? No. How, no. Is, how is Sarah today? I am doing well. I yeah. am really... Um, well, I got my car back, which is really nice. Oh my gosh. And ship shape. Ship shape. You know, what's really funny. I was thinking about this. <sighs> I've always said you got to be careful what you wish for. Yes. Uh, Especially like real, on new year's resolutions. Careful. Yep. That too. Uh, I had put, I had not gotten my car washed at all in 2020. Yeah. Not one time the entire yeah. year. I never got it washed. Right. It was, I took it camping because I kept saying like, what's the point? You know, and I had so much stuff because sure. it was always messy. And I'm like, why? why? Um, now I understand why, just for like my own mental health. Um, so I kept on putting off getting my car washed. And then I was like, man, I just really, I really want my car washed. Like I want it cleaned so bad. But for, uh, then I kept on telling myself, oh, I'm going to go get it detailed. Like I need like a, yes. uh, whatever it was. <laughs> I got it back and they had detailed and cleaned my car. Like not, it, it is sparkling like brand new. The most expensive car wash I've ever had in my entire life. Right. But I did. In fact, I put it out there in the universe. I kind of had this like, I want my car wash, but I don't want to like, you know, have somebody detail it. Like that's expensive. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what I was putting out there. I was putting out, get the car wash vibes Dang. and, and I don't know, the universe got real confused. So it was like, Oh, car wash, you say, yeah, you okay. Got you bargained for uh, yeah, I sure did. But you know, it's back. Everything's fantastic. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, shout out to the, uh, the good old guys at the, uh, the, I don't even know what the fuck it's called because you know, what else, but and you haven't had any accidents since the last time we spoke. That's, uh, I mean, I don't wood. just yes. mean automobile. I mean. No, but Suze, I am really glad, you know, like it, 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 on that subject, yeah. I really realized, um, my therapist realized, uh, that <laughs> I, <laughs> right. That I have been so preoccupied my mind is, but I have not been focusing on the task at hand like one time in I don't know how long. Like I am trying to multitask. I'm trying to like juggle a whole bunch of different thoughts in my head. I'm moving from project to project, like not being mindful, basically not being mindful. Right. And so I have identified... Mm-hmm. The the culprit was sometimes you know you just have to go back to basics right like yeah. we think it's it's oh my gosh I I I'm I'm so mad at myself for like staying up late and being on my phone and all this and we like beat ourselves up and we just like oh, why can't I do it and I want to change but I'm not making any changes and we're like so hard on ourselves and we don't realize that the simplest solutions are often the ones that are right like uh, are you getting enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Are you eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to, you know, eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it's amazing how much more focused I was and able to like concentrate on one thing at a time. I'm like, huh? I can't do those things that I want to do. 
Do you have and to like, like schedule it or do you just y- listen to your body and Oh no, I have to schedule it. For you sure. You have to schedule it? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'll just oh. go th- through the whole day without eating. Why don't I you will- ever think like, boy, I'm hungry right now? I am not even tuned into uh, cuz that's I'm not being in order to uh, It's such a great thing to explore. Mm-hmm. In order to hear that. Yeah. You have to be in touch with your body. Your right. body is the one sending your signals saying, hey, feed me, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you are living from you know the neck up uh, and in your head and just thinking about the next thing or um, maybe well, – And like, I think it's common with sexual abuse survivors, right? Yes, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. And when – you're in, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be like triggered in a moment where you're, you know, remembering the abuse. No, it's right. that you have a, it's a habit. default. Yes, it is a default habit that when your brain is in a place of uh, uh, high stress or anxiety or yeah. basically that survival brain is turned on, it just defaults to that. Mm-hmm. It defaults to like detaching from the body. Oh my God, that is, I didn't even think about that, Susie. Oh, <laughs> that's like, that's like, like, like bonus therapy right there. <laughs> bonus. Yeah. That was like a little like freebie, like, like 10 innings of therapy. <laughs> Great. So yeah, that, and, and so I don't listen to that. So I have to really practice being mindful and being, this is like so many of us, I think yes. there's so many things we're just like rushing. And I really stopped and realized like, I'm, I'm like, like, why am I having like accidents? Like, you know, hitting something in the car and and yeah. that paint falling i'm like because i'm thinking about 20 different things i'm trying to do a, a million things so i've just been focusing on helpful techniques to go back to the basics yeah and really what i think this is that a lot of people are feeling is just like burnout totally that's why yeah. I tell people do not be hard on yourself because the whole uh, capitalist industrial complex is designed to make you yes. forget about what is actually good for you and just to become like a very productive worker to help the economy. I mean, truly, that is a big part of why everyone is working all the time, et cetera. Absolutely. You are so right. In fact, I was reading an article in Vice about it. It's called What to Do If You're Barely Keeping It Together Right Now, where mm-hmm. it was like, because a lot of people are feeling like this, yeah. you know? And it says that the idea that that burnout is a personal mental health problem is really unfair, incorrect, and yes. and not true. The the fact is this is a burnout is a result of systemic factors. Yes. Like, oh, I don't know, a lack of paid time off and childcare and being in the middle of a pandemic, all this stuff, like, you know, yep. mm-hmm. there's more. And so when we put it like the the bird, like when we think, oh my gosh, if only uh, like I shouldn't be feeling like this right now and we should all over ourselves, yeah, then it, it, makes it worse. We can't get out of that because it just is, is a, a self-defeating or, or like it puts us in this cycle of just negativity. And we yeah. have to like recognize that and say, man, I'm doing great, all things considered. Or you know what I need to do is just understand why I could be a little bit tired right now. And just mm-hmm. that little thought of compassion changes the feeling which changes the action. Yeah, it, it is so true. 
And it's so important. And I remember Oprah used to talk about how like, you know, life will throw a little pebble at you. And if you don't change whatever it is, then it might throw like a brick at you and then blah, blah, blah. And then eventually you hit a wall and something will happen. Maybe it's an accident. Maybe it's like me Mm -hmm. going to the hospital, stuff like that. And you're like, fine. Oh, was the hospital it for you? Sure. That was one. And then I had a car accident a few years ago that had the same effect because it's like a wake up call. You're like, well, clearly I'm not on the right track. So I'm going to get on the right right track. Suze, you like, like you're taking me to church right now. (laughs) I can't tell you, like, I really do feel like it. And it seems so small. Like yeah. that, because it's like, maybe to some, I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, I think this is my rock bottom in a weird way. Like, yeah. not like rock, like, uh, and, yeah. and to the but outside world, it would not even look like that. But, that's but I something know. something to be proud of though, when you have a moment like that and then you're, you're open to receiving that message. Yes. Oh my gosh. You're making just... me feel very seen right now. <laughs> Suze. Like, most people, if they're not ready, will just keep going down that terrible road and then it can get worse and more severe. And it was like, wait a sec, you need to start putting yourself first. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how, I I mean, I've had to really, and I am not alone in this, I know, the feeling of not being deserving of basic self-care, Yeah, I can't... I can't even explain where it comes from. I have mm. no idea. But I mean, my mom was, we were on the phone. She's like, I don't understand why you have this feeling of like not being deserved. Like why you can't mm. uh, uh, take care of yourself. Why you can't like, she's like, what, what's wrong? You know? <laughs> and it feels like there's a, f- I can't, and I have no idea no matter what I, I try to think about it. So I've just accepted, like, who the fuck cares why? Because that doesn't really help. We can go around circles on that. And could we just start doing something and changing a few things with behavior? So I was in this, um, and first of all, the habit book. I keep preaching about that. That was freaking fantastic. And then I was in this workshop and we were doing, uh, uh, you know, for therapy. And um, we were learning about keeping a like a diary of your behavior and like tracking moods, tracking uh, behaviors throughout the day and like feelings and things like that. It is amazing how helpful taking a survey or taking stock of what you're doing mm-hmm. is to identify the big, huge things that you may be missing that are like, like, where it all starts, you know, yeah. like the sleep and like the, the, uh, like eating properly mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. You know, I feel like it's hard to do. So we have to like take a step back. This Vice article was very helpful. It ha- gave a, a list of a few of the helpful things to conquer feelings of burnout. And I thought maybe I'd share a few of them yeah, with you and the it. listeners. You are like mastering this and are doing so well and like, you. you know, are helping me, which like, thank you so much. Um, this is like a, a, uh, example of how, um, even cardiologists suffer from heart disease sometimes. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. So like we have, we have to like be, be able to like recognize, you know, where we all are. Yeah. Um, well, before so, you yes. do that, can I yes, just say yes. if, if 
one option people might have to sort of combat some of this stuff is therapy. And that's why we encourage people to try better help. Hello. Because these things can be interfering with your happiness or productivity or just peace of mind. And there's help available. You can get a licensed professional counselor specializing in depression or stress or anxiety, all these things that we're talking about um, that everyone is dealing with, whether they realize it or not. Um, And BetterHelp makes it very convenient. You can contact these counselors from your phone or your computer, from your house, wherever. It's available worldwide and it's affordable. Um, They have financial aid available as well. And it's just very convenient. So we want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash brain candy. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash brain candy. Yes. Oh, so important. So important. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, you know, not all of us can just have Susie to talk to us and (laughs) answer all my, figure out (laughs) what's going on in my head. I can only do so much, everyone. Right. (laughs) Ah. So one of the techniques that I thought was super helpful, and I am definitely going to do this. Um, she, the, the woman, oh, I should get her name. What's her name? Uh, Carly Bassett. She's a therapist uh, that was interviewed for this article. And she said it's helpful to make what she calls a body budget. So mm. making a list of all the things that stress you out, which is mm. like just a good thing to do because sometimes it's it's – Maybe the list is shorter than we think it is True. in actuality. Yep. And mm-hmm. the things are just almost like weighted, you know, like heavy. Yeah. Then she says, separate them by what is in con- your control and what is out of your control. So like, you know, you can't avoid like taxes or, you know, that like <laughs> the yeah, world the is like the pandemic, things like that. But there are things that you can control, like, okay, I'm exhausted. Well, you can control your sleep. Uh, You know, you control your eating. You can control, you know, like whatever it is that you do. Mm -hmm. Once we have – even just making that list and, oh my gosh, to to work on accepting the things that are out of your control and just kind of saying over and over to yourself, there's nothing – like I accept that I can't do anything about this. I accept that I can't do anything about this. And it just slowly, slowly, it's like we're not looking to go from, you know, uh, uh, a 10 on the uh, anxious scale to a zero, but can we bring it down to like a five, a six, you know, something manageable so Mm -hmm. that we actually can do the other things? You know, it's hard. It's so hard. And don't you feel sometimes resentful that you even have to be so intentional about just like meals? (laughs) Oh my, Susie, Susie, when this, when, when, when it was identified that I have (laughs) not been eating any, and then at the end of the day, I'm like, why am I so like, you know, making bad decisions about what to eat? And like, you know, I'm like, oh, I know I'll have a hamburger right now. Like, come on, sorry. Um, I, there was a moment because the thing that I really wanted to do that, like, it works to identify like the behavior, like, like, what is the thing that I really like? I don't want to do anymore. I do not want to stay up late sitting on the couch watching TV or like like okay. scrolling through my yes. phone. Yes. I don't want to do that. Yes. In order to not do that. Like I so some so at first 
without putting any, like taking stock of my day or without really like looking at like what my behavior is through the day or what other factors are contributing to this, mm-hmm. I beat myself up because I really, really want to not watch TV or, um, you know, sit on the couch and scroll through Amazon shopping for fucking nothing. Like, yeah. uh, and I don't, I really don't want to do that, but I still do it. And then the next day I feel guilty and I feel like mad at myself. Like, oh, you know better. It is you a didn't total want to do cycle that. because total you're doing it to soothe yourself. Cycle. But then the next day you're mad at yourself. So you need soothing. Correct. Yeah. And then most of the time you'll be doing something like also eating like uh, popcorn or, you know, <laughs> doing something else that feels good, like, or maybe chocolate chips if you're me. And you're rewarding yourself for the thing that you're doing right in there. So, mm-hmm. like, your brain's like, thank you. Let's do this again tomorrow. And it is a terrible cycle. And I have to tell you, I interviewed yeah. that Charles Duhigg, the yeah. power of habit yeah. guy. And he talks about that, how like the brain doesn't know the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. The brain doesn't have that value judgment about the habit. It just knows that this is a habit. There was a reward. I'm going to do it again. Right. And it gets automated. And so it just does it on its own. And so he put me on the spot at the end. In fact, I'll add that interview to the end of this episode because we're talking about it anyway. Um, He put me on the spot at the end, which if any of you have seen my interviews, I do not want to talk about myself. I want to talk about the person. That's why you have me as a co-host. Because I tell you everything. So he goes, what's a a bad habit you have? And I want to die. But, you know, we went through it and he was like, okay, so what's the cue that makes you do that? And then what's the reward? that that provides to you and then you have Mm -hmm. to figure out a replacement for Uh the middle part the routine like let's say you have a craving to drink and then you drink and the reward is you feel better so then you know he was teaching me like the actual mechanics Uh of how to change a habit that you're like you're describing Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And we get stuck in that cycle and it's it when we simplify it and you go okay like let's just look at the mechanics and like change that I, there was a moment when it was like the first day of me trying to, um, you know, I identified the behavior I didn't want. I don't want to watch TV at night. Like I, the goal, my life goal is to like have a better routine in the evening. Yeah. I I did it with the morning, crushing it. Let's get the nighttime done. Uh, so that's the goal. What's the thing that's getting in the way of the goal? Well, me staying up till freaking who knows when scrolling through Amazon, whatever's. So I got, I want to start doing that. First week I try to do that, oh my gosh, I'm beating myself up because I'm trying and I can't. I'm stuck in that cycle, Mm -hmm. that loop where it's terrible. Mm -hmm. Then the therapist goes, well, you got it. I think the problem is breakfast, you're not eating. I'm like, no way. Right. We're always skeptical. Like that that can't be it. (laughs) That can't be it. Look at all the things that are going on. That's not it. That is like a, so, uh, I give it a shot. I like set up my week with the own the only intention. I didn't try to do anything else. I, I was like, whatevs. Don't even care about anything. Just focus on meal prepping, like so that. And I used like like you know HelloFresh. Shout out to HelloFresh. And uh, 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 you know planned for all my meals yeah, and got that good. taken care of, yeah. so that I didn't have to do that thing where like you know we. Uh, make bad decisions in the moment because our hungry brain is deciding and hello, that's what the hunger brain's going to do. Get us the, you know, most food, yeah. fastest, all that. Right. It was I like... I thought about that. That's so true. That's exactly it. That yeah. The brain's job is like, 
I need calories. So I'm going to die soon. Yeah, I'm going to die. <laughs> and then and then the worst is that we're then critical of our brain our, and afterwards when it did that thing to keep us alive. And oh, it's like, what yeah. the hell? And then we're like, oh, I can't believe I ate a hamburger. And the brain's like, what? But I gave well, you we the most calorie-dense food. We were going to die. Like, yeah. And we should be like, thank you, brain, for doing that. Like, it would totally change our whole, like, yeah, everything. So, you know, so, okay. So then I adjust and I, I like, set up and plan ahead and everything for, uh, for uh, uh, you know, me to be eating properly. Like a novel thought. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. like, I'm, like I'm inventing the wheel over here. Um, it was like, whose life is this? Oh man! Oh, you were my like, I God. can't believe people are eating three meals every day. I, I, it, I, and then I was like, well, this could have been the problem. <laughs> I could, I, I was like, to do list pew, done. All the notes that I've had in the backlog for like freaking years, not years, a year, whatever, pew, done. Yeah. I mean, couldn't even believe it. Uh, uh, drawer that you needed to organize and had been putting off for so long because you didn't want to deal with those papers, pew, done. Like, yeah. It was amazing. Oh, working out when you want to work out. Done. Like, oh, we're just sometimes beating ourselves up about the wrong things. We got to go back to basics. Are we starting there? If we're building the house on sand, yeah, probably not going to be very strong. Mm Got to put fuel in the car, not like be mad at the car when it's out of gas and it's not going anywhere. I remember when I was in ninth grade, I went to this really weird, super conservative private Christian school where you had to wear like a skirt. It was like, yeah, yes, rough. Anyway, in chapel one week, they had the speaker that said he challenged everybody to read 10 pages of the Bible every day. And he said that it would change your life and that all these good things would happen. And I was still in the whole indoctrinated mm-hmm. mindset. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And so I did. I read 10 pages of the Bible every day. And like my grades were through the roof. They were like straight A's and I was like killing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, obviously this isn't magic. It wasn't the Bible. <laughs> it was <laughs> that, you know, you you derail your habits. Like you yes. you start in a new mindset. Yes. And it's like, Sarah, it's like what you're saying. Yes. And Where things like magically yes. happen. Yes, and it's your favorite. Rising tide floats all boats. Yeah, it's true. That it, that everything starts to get better. And like, if we were just more gentle on ourselves, that I think is so important. That understanding of like, you know what, brain, you were just trying to keep me alive. Yeah, let's do I it a different that, way, brain. But let's do anyway. it. A t- yeah, let's do. Oh, that's like so cute, our little brains. You know what I feel like is real gentle on me is my third love bra. Very. Oh, you know what I mean? Like yes. it's the TLC. It's like comfort. That's some good self care. We need yeah. to feel good, <laughs> and I need to tell myself every now and then I'm deserving of a new bra and yes. some new undies. Well, and I love that they are super supportive and comfortable, but they're not hideous you know how usually you have to choose do you want it to be beautiful Correct. or do you want it to be comfortable but right. these are both and oh that's my gosh. really fun <gasps> Ugh! remember that time in your life where you chose the ones that were uncomfortable but yes oh i'm big never going mistake. back there big mistake never well, and um, over the summer, they have limited edition summer styles with tropical inspired colors, vacation ready designs, breezy uh, feelings. So you like create your own personal paradise. Thank you, Third yes. Love. Um, 
yeah, these are super comfortable. You guys are going to love them. Super high quality. And you're going to want to like lounge in their sleepwear too. So they have everything that you guys want. You deserve some TLC. That's third love comfort, baby. Oh, Go I to thirdlove.com slash brain now to get 20% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash brain for 20% off today. Yes. Oh, I have one uh, more hack. I don't oh, even know oh, if this yes, is a good yes. hack or just so, like... Um, g- give me all of them. Okay. So... From I have always feel like, you know, our quote unquote flaws are they're flaws in certain contexts, but in other areas they can serve you. So absolutely. You know, it's like a flipped coin. Yes. So I know that I'm a competitive person, which can be a bad thing sometimes, but I try to use it to my advantage because what I do is try to compete with myself. That's why I create yes. like goals of reading. How much do I want to read in the year? Like, I'm not competing with anybody. I'm just trying to compete with myself. Yes. And so you can do that with like, um, like I don't enjoy produce, but I want to eat it. So I, I say like, I have to eat six servings of produce every day. And then I get to check the box when I'm done. Yes. And I enjoy checking boxes. This is like yes. in my DNA. So like, Do you, you have like a physical box? That like, like, do you have like a, it written I have down? A list. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Yeah. I use an app and I just track it every day. But like for some other people, that wouldn't be an effective thing. You got to like tap into like who you are intrinsically right. and then use that to reach your goals. Yes. I love this hack. Yeah. A plus. A+. And I'm trying to think about it for, I'm like, Ooh, what can I be competitive with myself with? And I've like, you know, I've, I've created a bad habit of being competitive with like the wrong things. Ugh. Well, that's I what value the wrong things and like, or even, um, like not eating all day in my family, there was this, you should it, that, and we have to explore those kind of things. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. It's like full circle. It was like, look at how strong you are. Somehow that message was sent. Yeah. If you don't eat all day yeah, and you can just keep working. Yeah. And so I was rewarded or I was like winning Mm -hmm. if I was doing the thing that was not good for me. So I have to change that and I need to make there be a better, I'm like, I need to change it in my mind of you're winning when you Mm -hmm. eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Dang. See, these are like the shoulds that we all carry around. You should, you should be able to go all day doing that. You shouldn't have to take a break. You should, um, you should be able to do everything. Every mom I'm sure has this feeling. You should, uh, you should be able to do this and this and this and and still be available for your kids and blah, 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 blah. And still also make them home cooked meals and, and whatevs. Mm -mm. It makes me real mad. Especially the stuff about women and moms. It's infuriating. Yeah. I, can't, I still can't get over that thing about the, um, the housework that you said that like women are the ones who feel guilty for it and men yeah. don't. I was trying to explain that to somebody else and I, I, could, I got so emotional in it. I couldn't even <laughs> like put my words together and, be, and like do a proper job explaining it because yeah. I just in my head started getting like... Yeah, like we ah! see the house as a reflection of our value. Yes, Oh my lord! Fuck, we're doomed. Any toodles, we're doomed. <laughs> um, let's think. Of, let's talk about something happier. Okay. What, what else? What else? Um, uh, I was sent an adorable article. Oh, now I wish I knew. I never. I need to write. Start writing down who sends me these things. There's so many. On, um, it's so nice of them. There's so I love many. When they do that. There was one that we got about bumblebees and how bumblebees. Did you see this? I don't think so. Uh, that bumblebees are. 
Well, scientists discovered that they do this amazing thing that can help agriculture and farming uh, forever, which is always really nice. We love when animals figure out, uh, you know, well, they don't figure it out. They've been doing this since freaking <laughs> ever. Right, and right. we just caught on. We're like, oh, man, look at that. So uh, it was discovered that bumblebees, they assess the plants where they are and they determine uh, uh, which ones are flowering and not flowering and they make tiny little incisions in the leaves of flowers that cause them to produce more flowers or in the leaves of, of, of plants that cause them Aww. to produce more flowers. So basically the bees are going around biting the stalks and making flowers or making plants have more flowers. That's adorable. This is the thing, and uh, w- this all clicked in my mind because I had, remember when uh, the tree in my apartment building was not being properly maintained and I needed yes, to cut, and I, I was forget? like, how could anybody forget? So <laughs> I have since like grown, uh, I have one, two, three, four, well, five or six different uh, uh, fiddle leaf tree, like stalks that are growing. And in order to get them to have a lot of leaves, I looked up how to... Um, get them to, what do you call it? Like, like grow another branch essentially. Mm-hmm. And you can do a technique called notching, which is where you make a little incision right above, um, like the little node where the, the new bud would form or the new tree would branch would form. Mm-hmm. And you make a little in, in like a little cut at, at a, at an angle, like a little V kind of shape out of it, um, or a bite out of it. And the plant naturally sends more, uh, uh, I don't know, plant stuff to that area to heal it, which then makes all that energy going there makes the branch grow and makes something flower. That is this so is, cute. How so, they have not connected those two is beyond me. Right. Bees have been doing this for forever. Gardeners have been writing about manually doing this. Oh, really? Yeah. The notching. The notching. This is that's something so that's cool. like like in every gardening book, everything like that. And so like the way that they researched it was so cool. They the the scientists who thought this was hap- who were like suspected this was happening, um, wanted to make sure that the bees were doing this not just in their controlled environments. So they took them to an area where there were a, f- a bunch of flowers that were not flowering and that were really close. They put a, a beehive right next to oh. flowers that were not flowering, and then a little bit farther away were flowers that were flowering. And you'd think that the plant, the bumblebees would go to where there's food, which Mm -hmm. is the flowering plants. Like that's where the pollen is. That's where we should go. But instead the bumblebees leave their little bumblebee hive and they're like, oh my goodness, look at these plants. That's what they're called in the articles. So right? Bumblebees. What is you probably know, what's the difference between like a a bumblebee and like a honeybee? I don't know. But it is really cute that you just said bumblebee. It now that I keep saying it, it is really cute. (laughs) They seem like bumblebees should have fatter bottoms. (laughs) Right? Right? They definitely do. Like, did you see that in story of that big furry bee that landed on me? Yes! Oh, oh my gosh! I meant to tell you, I was going to text you Hey, or when I saw that picture. Hey, remind me to tell you about the bee thing. Okay, remember last week how you were, you mentioned like randomly the towel mat on the ground, like the towel rug? 
throw rug on the yes. floor. Yes. On okay. When you posted that picture on Instagram, I was walking <laughs> Bo and I was like looking at the phone and there were bumblebees like everywhere. And <laughs> I had this thought, huh, I should hold one of these bumblebees right now. Like what is I wrong what- with you? I wonder what it would feel like, but it was like at the same time when one was landing on you. I mean, okay, then let that me was, deal with when that I saw that. First. I was like, "Whoa!" She okay. and I are talking always about the same thing at the same time. It's blowing my mind. <laughs> I do love that we're in sync, but I also don't love that you're insane. And why, in God's name, would you want to do that? Okay, it wasn't like an actual thought that I entertained. Susie, okay, thoughts are just, just had thoughts. a fleeting moment. And I had a fleeting moment, and okay, it's not okay, like I okay. and and my good sense told me not to act on it, okay. which I let thank goodness listen to. And it's also because I was just watching a video about a man who, like, goes around like I don't know collecting honey. Like he's got a whole bee thing going on but he doesn't use any like beekeeper <laughs> suits and or anything like that like he's just like a guy and he was on instagram and he was like holding the bees and with his hands and he's telling the i don't know the the reporter or the journalist that he gets stung like two to three times a day but it's okay it doesn't really bother him and wow yeah God and so i him. had like i like so you know i had bees on the brain bees were buzzing around in my brain i mean that is pretty cool because that guy just sat down obviously long enough for me to get a video and then i had to call adam and be like what the hell do i do right now yeah Yeah. and you were heavily thinking about bees and somehow i picked up on that signal and i was like huh i have a weird feeling about like this being on me right now because it was like i like i and i i wish well, it couldn't be in my head. But if you were in my head at that moment, it wasn't like a thought of, oh, I'd like to do that. It was like a thought of... Oh, like a compulsion. I need to do Like that. I am... No, more like in another parallel universe, I am holding a bee right now. Ooh, that's Like weird. that feeling. And I was like, oh my God, I got to tell her about that. And like when I saw that picture on your thing, I was like, oh, I have to remember to tell her this. So that was that was a little aside, but... Yes, they are called bumblebees. I still don't know the difference. It's nowhere in this article. That's fine. I just yes. love it. And they're so cute. So, but I love it that these bees, like when given the opportunity to go from to the flowers that are far away, already already like flowering, or the plants that are far away and already flowering where there definitely is food, or to help the plants that need more flowers they are they are mm. definitely delay of gratification long-term I planners that. The, i mean here we are thinking that like animals can't plan ahead mm-hmm. C- are you sure because in that moment they decide and it's like they leave their little like beehive and they go oh my goodness look at these plants right here oh no nobody's taking care of these hang on oh. let me go nibble and then they go and do that work first and they're like whew okay these guys are good we're going to have food later. And then That's they go nice. and take, go to the other ones. And I so, wonder though what the, why that instinct is stronger. Like I would wonder why right? evolutionarily. Me too. That's it says the bees are signaling like, hey, we need food. Please speed up your flowering and we'll pollinate you. Hmm. So it's like a... So that's kind of like what they're doing by like yeah, chewing like, on chop, the side chop, of the thing. Let's go Yeah, here. they're like, come on, let's go. Okay. And yeah. And Real it, cute. it's... If if we can duplicate this, this 
mm, action, if farmers yeah. can do this, yeah. we can stimulate plants in a very natural way mm-hmm. without chemicals, no miracle grow needed to boost flowers and boost agriculture. I love that. That's, it could be a whole new way for humans to cultivate plants. Love it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That is so Get notching, cool. everybody. I just think that that, like, this is this falls into the, the like, same category as the eyeballs on the mantis shrimp that are curing cancer or that are, like, <laughs> you know, causing tumors to be removed. So, I like, it's like these little tiny things. Now, all we have to do is observe. Mm-hmm. We need to, like, stop crushing the natural world with our big old, you know, feet and then go in there and, like, look and just observe it. What are those bumblebees doing? Oh, look at that. Well, biting the flower. Oh, I was just More talking about how... Did you see the thing I posted with the bird collar necklace? Yes, the I did. Bird call? So, okay. So this little thing, it's re- really beautiful. And then you just spin the little screw in the metal screw and it creates a sound with the wood that truly sounds like a bird and it's really fun to do and you do it and then you listen for what birds you're attracting and stuff Mm. i have no earthly idea whether you actually are attracting birds or communicating with them but what i do know is that it makes you listen to them oh i love it i get goosebumps like your attention is so valuable and I just want to encourage people to use it wisely. Yes. So like get little stuff like that that may it's or may all not the be effective. Stuff. Yeah. And then oh your God. attention will go towards the birds or towards whatever. And you know, who and, cares if it really works? And it wh- makes you listen. And what are you doing when you're listening? Mm. If being not being mindful? Yeah, right. And what are you doing? Increasing you. your mind-body connection and getting into your body. It's so cool. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. Oh. Loving so it. So do it. Yes. And and whichever, however you want to, you know, this is, this is like the, the, there's a com- there's common threads, you know, and for, mm-hmm. it works for some people to do a checklist. It works for some people to have a bird whistle. It works for some people to do some yoga. It works for some people to, and the problem is when we try the things that work for other people and then it doesn't work for us and we go, yeah. oh, I'm broken or it doesn't work. It, just find the thing and just don't stop looking yeah. and don't stop because... Yeah, you learn so much when you, especially and it, and it's if such you're around so kids. A relief. Yes. Oh you know. man, that's such a good, a good. Because you can like direct their attention without them realizing it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Um, well, just I found that that type of thing, like the necklace and other like nature stuff. If you try mm. to indoctrinate them openly, they do not 
or show interest. Right. The last thing they want. It feels like school. <laughs> it feels like yes. required. They don't want that. Right. So you have to like kind of trick them into it, you know? Yes. And I find it, that more oh, effective. It, it, same with adults. We, I, I got to myself too. I got to trick myself. I'm like, mm. Well, no, yeah, like, but it's all of us. Right, right, right. It's all, right? I'm like, oh, yeah. and I really think about it. Mm-hmm. Damn, it's so true. You got to trick me. Everybody can say that about working out. Oh, my God, I love working out and being out, except those few people. I'm not talking to you, though. I'm talking <laughs> to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, like, buzz off. Trick people. me into working out, you know? <laughs> I swear, yeah. Oh, my God, that's so true. Uh, at least we can laugh about it yeah. and, and, you know. The foibles oh. of being human. Yes. Um, okay. What else do I want to talk to you? I talked to you about some bumblebees that are changing uh, agriculture. We love that. Um, oh, here's a funny one. That it, uh, Do you follow that guy on Instagram or TikTok if you're, you know, whatever on there? Uh, I think his name is something Rob. He, he does the millennial update. <laughs> no. Deep millennial weekly update oh no. my gosh it's so funny so he's he's like a guy who got real popular on tiktok it's something rob like i can't remember i should know these things but eh. now this is the new thing instead of not knowing actors names i don't know people's like handles on <laughs> you I don't, know i'm like who There's are a lot people? of people it's hard to keep track it's too much yeah yeah but he's real funny and he does this like update uh where he's like talking to millennials about like gen z and like the younger generation like okay so here's what they're doing and it's so <laughs> funny you have to watch it's hilarious but he did one where he was breaking down the uh, this new term chuggy have you heard this oh yeah Oh my God. I love things that like call out uh, uh, the basicness of <laughs> many of us. Well, do you think you're chuggy? No. <laughs> I'm nah. pretty sure I am. I know you are. Oh, okay. I mean, in some ways, not full chug. I don't even know if you could shorten it, but I'm going to. Not <laughs> full chug. Yeah. I think yeah. you're you're like like – I I know a lot of people who are, and I'm friends with a lot of people that are, for mm-hmm. sure. Well, how do you define it for the listeners? It's like, well, I, I, I can't define it as well as I can give you a list of things that are. Okay, let's chooky. hear it. I don't have them written down, but these are just off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, some of the funny ones. Uh, you own things that are Chevron print. <laughs> uh, things that are written in that like wedding style, that like bridesmaid style cursive Ooh, handwriting, that like that. Uh, like a tumbler with like a label, like it's labeled like that. Um, like uh, I would say, I would put like the home edit style organization stuff into a little bit of the chuggy category. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say uh, upset. What did they put on the list? Uh, Grown ups who love Disneyland. Oh, God. Chuggy. Maybe I'm not um, chuggy. Only a few things were, were – that's why I said you're not all of them and none of these ones I'm naming. Pumpkin spice latte lovers, chuggy. Ugg boot wears, chuggy. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else could we get? Uh, oh, I saw one that you fall into, which what, is what, I, what, think, what? I think it was on the list. It was um, yeah, yeah. the plant the obsession. Oh, for sure. This, yeah, there could be some yeah. crossover maybe. But yeah, yeah. That, I think that, that falls into anything chuggy. Anything that's popular, uh, Obsessed, like mermaid, like yeah. I, I would put <laughs> yeah, like that mermaid yeah, obsession, yeah, yeah. chuggy. Yep. But the male ones were cracking me up too because he was I like, guys, no guys, don't, that was one of my favorite. He did a follow-up and he was like, just so you know, chuggy, gender neutral. Here, you can <laughs> absolutely be male, male chuggy. Here are some of the things. Uh, the 
Dunder Mifflin t-shirts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, those those fabricy flip flops that they sold at like oh. American Eagle. See, that's it. That I barely have to describe them, and you know yeah. exactly what I'm talking to. Right. Polo shirts when you're not golfing. Um, <laughs> when you're not golfing. Uh, uh, any so any form of energy drink. Yeah. Uh, hilarious. Axe body spray, chuggy. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think of some other male ones. Oh, they're so funny to think of. It's just like basic stuff that we just have like a new name for. And yeah, I have, but- I wrote down on like my list of things talking about, like, you know, ideas to chat about. Does Susie think she's chuggy? Are you chuggy? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's well, a discussion point. So I, I'm glad you said that. The whole but- thing is like, if you're trying to be cool, that's not cool. But the are, kind the, of are like, these things trying to be cool though? I don't think I don't know if they're trying to be cool. Absolutely, Sarah. They think they are. Oh, like word that art. That just seems like my example is word art. I hate word art. Anything that says like live, laugh, love. That uh, for sure. Any oh, of that you know what? I'll also put like. Do. Uh, uh, I saw on this list that I just pulled up uh, Gucci belts with the large double G. Yeah. For sure. But if you Chewy. love word art, then right. just, just fucking do that. it. Right. Yeah. There's nothing again. This is not to sit. There is no judgment on this. It, but is, it a, is hilarious. It's hilarious. It's hilarious when, in the same way, they, oh my God, I heard this from, oh God, my ex said, uh, we were at his friend's house and he said, uh, uh, you should really question uh, any chick who has uh, uh, what are those um, like fabric, um, like print. They're like bohemian fabric, like wall hangings. Oh, like macrame? Not macrame, uh-huh. but it's like a. They're like always for sale in Venice Beach. It's like a big, they usually have like a tree of life on it. They're kind of like maybe tie-dyed. It's like a large tapestry that hangs on the wall, like a wall covered with one of these. And if you see it, he's like, apparently a lot of chicks. Because as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my God. Absolutely, I have. I know this this woman. (laughs) I was that woman. Like like that is absolutely for sure. Like Like the young bohemian. Like yeah, the all right. the for well, sure, especially if you're in pot culture, I suppose the tapestry. It seems yeah. like there's some overlap. Yeah, for sure. It's like the um the like what the equivalent of what a bedroom would have been in in like the maybe like the night where it was like a lava lamp and one of those like um uh <laughs> still had the t- same tapestry on the wall. Blow up furniture, like there was probably oh, some overlap good there. Lord, yeah. I did all those things. You can definitely make a list of like. But just can we basic all stuff. agree though that Gen Z is the most annoying of all the Gens? Yeah, for sure. Which you know that's how it is. Like once well, you're because old, like us. Here's the then- thing: they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're judging. That is yes. the judgy age. You judge in that age group. So that you, you – it's sh- almost like pushing – like testing your own personal boundaries of like what is – it's weird. It's that It's that I want to belong but I don't. I want to be – I want to be – it's like the who am I? And, it and is. people are judgy when they're figuring out who the fuck they are because yeah. in order to like judge – it's, it's, it's like a mirror. That's what teenagers do. 
Yes. So they judge and then we'll talk about how annoying they are. It's all nature's way. Absolutely. Yeah, it's nature's it's way. It's cosmic order. It's how things oh, ought to gosh. be. Oh, I'm trying to think of, of uh, uh, some of the other examples of the, the chuggy. Victoria's Secret pink clothing. Oh, yeah. That Ray I Dunn pottery. I think they said buttery soft leggings. Was Butter one of the ones I saw. <laughs> That's such a hilarious description. They always say that. Like, oh my god, that's so funny. Buttery soft. It's, and you know what? Here's the thing with that is it's it's stuff that is um, it's everywhere. It's like yeah, it's popular. It's popular, and the reason mm-hmm. why we then are drawn to it, we're like, oh yeah, it, I'll just get this because it is everywhere. It's yeah. that you know, yeah. Absolutely. And here I am, like, you know, talking about that cursive font. I was literally selling this online. Yeah. I sold those signs that are so chuggy. <laughs> I, am a, I am a proprietor of chuggy. Yeah, Sarah's I'm a, a purveyor d- of chuggy. I'm a purveyor of chuggy. That's what I'm a purveyor of chuggy goods. <laughs> ah, I don't even care. It's unapologetically chuggy. I have no problem. I'll fully own it. Yeah, okay. You need to make those crafts. Just having them say chuggy. Oh it's like my super gosh. Meta. That's funny. I'm into it. <laughs> chuggy for yeah. life over yeah. here. Chuggy por vida. Oh. <laughs> por vida is even funnier. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know what like has randomly been popping up and like maybe this is only going to be funny to me and Susie or somebody who's listened to the podcast for like ever, which hope right. maybe is a lot of you Liv guys. Manos. So shout out to you guys. Uh, yes. Yes. I have seen that all over the place. Like, li- like people, ha- like, so all of a sudden people like, like, I don't know, got onto that joke that you had a million years ago. Wait, and it you was mean like, they're saying Liv Manos? Yeah. I saw like memes that were like, that were about live that said Liv Manos. Like, That's, I think I may have I screenshot really do it. think we started that. I so think that that was you. I really do. I was like, oh, Susie had this joke like a million years ago. I'm an influencer, yeah. you guys. You are such an influencer. I'm going to find – I totally like – I think somewhere along the lines I may have – I did – I tried to do some heavy photo editing recently of like getting rid of those random accidental screenshots, you know, that like yes, people, I end up having 400 of. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You know, like we all talk about like Marie condoing our house and everything, but mm-hmm. we don't – like uh, I very often forget about organizing my digital stuff too. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be an ad. It's not. It's just me complaining. <laughs> right. You know what I like to organize. <laughs> yeah. No, it's totally not. It's just like, huh, how about how that shit sucks? Yeah. You got to like – and and when then when they say, would you like to upgrade your to get more like space, yeah. that's basically like them saying, wow, you have a lot of shit. You want a storage unit to put it in? Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's better than me organizing it and putting – you know, deciding what goes in the trash and the goodwill and like – yeah. It drives I, I, me crazy. Isn't it crazy that that is gone online? I like I, I. This is probably see. These are the things I'm thinking about when I'm not being mindful. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like thinking about stupid shit like like that that is like totally pointless. Of as a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Well, Ugh. I guess this is as good a time as any then to introduce my interview with yes. Charles Duhigg. Yes. He is the New York Times bestselling author. His book, The Power of Habit, is 
phenomenal. It's about the science of habit formation. Phenomenal is an understatement. Yeah. I think I've personally sold 10 copies of these to people I've randomly (laughs) talked to, uh, like tellers at the bank and things like that. It's so great because it puts you in the driver's seat and it says, yeah, you know, we all have bad habits, but guess what? It's not in... It's not forever. It's not mm. infinite. You can shift and change yes. and evolve. Yes. And he tells you how. And it's not just sort of like this woo-woo self-help stuff. It's actual science where he says, yes. here's what you need to do. And he has charts and graphs and stuff. Okay? This is legit, people. Yep. And he's super nice. I think you guys will love him. Um, let's just have him on. Let's welcome Charles to the show. Thank you so much for coming on Brain Candy. We are thrilled to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm sure you feel like Power of Habit is old news, but it's new to us and we're so excited about it. And we chose it for our book club last month and people went bananas for it. So I had to harass you into coming on. Are you still feeling the response from this book years later? Oh, yeah. No, I still get a, 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 you know tons of email almost every day. Um, from people who find the book and say, you know, I was struggling with trying to lose yeah. weight or trying to start exercising or trying to stop drinking. And then I found the book and, and it gave me some ways to start and made that, that journey easier. So it's, and it's always really enormously rewarding to hear that. Um, you know, whenever you write a book, you spend a lot of time and you wonder if anyone's going to actually read it. And so it's really <laughs> nice to hear that not only are people reading it, but that they find some, some meaning in their own life from it. Right. That's the thing that really struck me is of all the books we've picked over the years of our book club this one had the biggest response and people seem to feel really empowered by it did you expect that response or did you think you were just typing into the void well, I, I I didn't know what exactly to expect, but but I did think that like these lessons are really useful, right? They, you know, when I wrote this book, I was um I basically came to it with a with a question that I had for myself, which is, you know, I I was a reporter at the New York Times at that moment. I'm now a reporter at the New Yorker magazine, and I had you know gone to like fancy colleges, and had and there were all these things that I I could do well, right? I could push myself to do well, but when it came to like exercising or dieting, I was just miserable at it. We, we had just had our, our first, um, a baby, um, our, our oldest son. And I remember he would eat these like, um, little, these little like chicken nugget dinosaurs. I mean, mm-hmm. they're like disgusting, right? They're made for like babies and like at dinner, I would be so tired and I could not stop myself from reaching <laughs> over and grabbing one of them and eating it. Even though I kn- knew that a, I was literally stealing food from my child, but B like, <laughs> they're not healthy for me, right? Like they're not, they're not sort of the approved diet I was supposed to be eating. And I wanted to understand like, why, why, like it, it felt so automatic to do that. Why, why is it so hard to control all these habits in my life? And that led me to the research and, and, you know, I learned from it as much as, as other people have. Yeah. That's what our listeners wanted to know. If this was more of like you trying to undo something you were involved in, in your life or just sort of fell into your lap or how, what the genesis of the project was. It was very much me wanting to understand how to control my own habits that, uh, that 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 if, if I felt like if I you know this gave me an excuse to call experts and ask them for advice and they were more likely to give me that advice if I told them I was I was writing a book than if I just wanted to stop eating chicken nuggets. <laughs> you know what? I wish you would have done that that approach though because that's hilarious. <laughs> well, so whenever you were putting the book together, you did such an excellent job of giving illustrations of your points. And so I'm, I imagine there were tons that you didn't include, though, but 
Well, how did you choose the examples that you put in the book? Well, so a lot of, you know, I, whenever I write, I try and write stories because I think stories are more entertaining to read. They're, they're easier to read, but also we tend to remember an idea better if it's embedded in a story. Mm -hmm. And there was this concept at the heart of the book, right? Which is the habit loop. This, this insight that, that all habits actually have three components. There's a cue, which is like a, a trigger for an automatic behavior to start. And then a routine, which is the behavior itself. And then finally a reward. And that reward exists to, to make that loop kind of spin and work in our lives sometimes without us even noticing it. Sometimes we don't even notice what the rewards are. And so as I was looking for ways to tell various stories about how to change habits and how to create habits, how habits work within companies and organizations, I wanted to find examples where I could understand what that habit loop was. I could sort of name it and then hopefully take readers down a journey, uh, you know, story together, a path where we sort of understand more deeply how that habit loop works and, and, and how we can shift it and take it apart and rebuild it in the ways that we want to. Well, and when, as a reader, we're reading it and it sounds like, okay, this is so intuitive. And once you say it, it makes sense. It's like when you're in a stand-up comedy act and you're like, yeah, I thought that a million times, but why the heck is it so hard for us to apply these lessons? I, I think the, re- the first reason it's so hard is because our brain literally turns off when we're in the grip of a habit, right? Our, yeah. brain, our brain is what's known as a cognitive miser. All brains are. It wants to use as little energy as humanly possible whenever it can. And so there's a part of our brain known as the basal ganglia, which every single animal on earth has. And this basal ganglia evolved and exists essentially just to create habits because Habits, being able to create habits is key to being able to evolve and progress as a species, right? If you had to, you know, re, rethink about how to walk every single time you got up, it, you wouldn't have time to think about anything else. If, if every single time you passed a, uh, an orange on the road and a rock on the road, you had to think really hard about which one you're supposed to put in your mouth, then you wouldn't have time for things like inventing fire or aircraft carriers or video games. And so what our brain does is our brain evolves to basically use as little energy as possible for the types of decisions that we confront every single day. And the way that I found to do that is habits, right? Creating the habit loop where if there's a cue, sorry, let's, let me yeah, turn this off. Okay. Right? Where if there's a, if there's a, if we see something, a cue that's supposed to trigger a certain behavior, our brain makes it trigger that behavior automatically. And then, and then in order for us to make sure that we remember that, it gives us a reward after we do the behavior. Every habit in your life has, has a reward. And about 40 to 45% of what you do every day is a habit, according to studies. And so because because our brain uses as little energy as possible when it's in the grip of a habit, it, it almost kind of turns off. It stops mm. paying attention to what's going on. And that's why habits are so hard to change. It's also why they're so delicate, why they can be changed. But the reason why they're hard to change is because our brain literally has stopped thinking when it's in the grip of a habit. And part of the goal of the power of habit is to teach people how to wake themselves up again so they're paying attention to those habits, which means that you have the ability to change them. Right. It's like a double-edged sword where our brain's efficient and doing stuff to benefit us, but then there's a downside where then we want the dinosaur nuggets, right? That's, a, that's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And, and what's interesting is that from the brain's perspective, there is no such thing as like a good habit or a bad habit, right? There's, there's just 
chunks of behavior that deliver rewards. And so eating that, dino, you know, if I, if the cue is I see the, my son eating a dinosaur chicken nugget, the routine is I pick it up and I plop it in my mouth. The reward is it tastes good. And because it's actually like really carbohydrate dense, it actually gives me this feeling of kind of, of satiety. <laughs> From my brain's perspective, my brain is just saying, look, anything yeah, that you're welcome. is probably a great thing. Yeah. It, it takes, it takes, the, the prefrontal cortex, the more decision-making parts of my brain to step in and say, you know what? I don't need any more calories. I've got plenty of calories. <laughs> like, like, and to make those decisions and make those distinctions between good habits and bad habits, that takes a different part of the brain. When you were getting this all going, was there a moment where you're like, I'm really onto something here. This is going to be great. This is going to be a big hit. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> basically I was just panicked the entire time that I wasn't Stop. I wasn't writing it well enough. I mean, it, I'm I'm actually writing another book right now. It, every time I write a book, it's the same thing. I just what? Like, I think to myself like, who's going to read this? This is terrible. <laughs> like, why am I you so bad lying. at this? But, you have just self doubt like the rest of us mere mortals. Yeah, it, it, the, but then a book comes out the other end, and so hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, people like it. Well, one of the examples in the book was the the sort of marketing behind the Febreze product. Right. Which, by the way, made me want to buy Febreze. I didn't know it was like molecular. I just thought it was just a, you know, a spray. Yeah, but right. um, you should work for them because I was like, I need to get me some Febreze. But that illustration kind of showed how sometimes we don't even know what we want, what our brain craves. And the Febreze people realized that we kind of crave this finality to cleaning and we like to end it on a positive note with a nice scent. And we didn't even know we wanted that. Yeah. How strange is that? Well, I, I mean, it's pretty common though, right? Like think yeah. about how many friends you have that are in relationships where from the outside of outside you say, that seems like a terrible relationship. <laughs> like you should definitely not be dating that guy or dating that woman. And they say, yeah, you know what? It's a terrible relationship. And, but it clearly provides something for them that they want. And even mm-hmm. if they're not aware of it, right? Even if they're not cognizant of what they actually want. And and this is kind of true in general. There, in psychology, there's actually this thing known as stated preferences and revealed preferences, right? So if you were to sit down and you were to ask people, um, you know, what do you want to eat for lunch? Many of them would have a stated preference where they would say, I'd like to eat something healthy. Right. And then if you send them into a cafeteria where there's healthy salads on one side and like pastrami sandwiches, like dripping with like grease and, you know, cheese on the other side, they will grab the pastrami sandwich, which mm-hmm. means the revealed preference is different from their stated preference. Now, many of us kind of know this about ourselves, right? That we, there's things that we want that we don't admit to ourselves that we want. But what's interesting is that a lot of power actually comes from just admitting to yourself what you want. Why because is that? Well, because once you admit it to yourself, so keep in mind before I was talking about the basal ganglia versus the prefrontal cortex, right? The basal ganglia is an old part of our brain. That's where habits are built. And, and the basal ganglia, essentially, if you think about your like subconscious or your near subconscious, that's the basal ganglia. The prefrontal cortex, which is the part that's here in your forehead, that's much more evolutionarily recent. That's where higher mm. thinking and decision-making comes from. That's where like more contemplative thought occurs. And so oftentimes people want to pretend that mm. they live in their prefrontal cortex, right? That they live in the place where they make wise decisions and ignore or pretend like they don't have a part of their brain that pushes them to do subconscious things or near subconscious things that are less healthy for them. 
But once we decide to admit that to ourselves, once we say, look, if I move it, if I walk into the cafeteria and I see a pastrami sandwich next to a salad, I am absolutely going to reach for the pastrami sandwich. Like that, that old part of my brain, the basal ganglia is going to push me towards that pastrami sandwich. Once we admit that to ourselves, we can say, okay, look, so what do I need to do? I need to rearrange the cafeteria (laughs) so that I don't walk past the pastrami sandwiches. I need to, I need to make a beeline for the salads and not even allow myself to see the pastrami sandwiches or, or when I'm walking through the cafeteria, I need to make a mantra, right? I need to whisper mm-hmm. to myself, salad, 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 salad. I need to remind myself that I'm going to be using my prefrontal cortex. Or maybe I tell a friend before I walk into the cafeteria, I know there's some pastrami sandwiches in there. I'm going to go get a salad because we know that telling a friend, doing it in a deliberate way, that kind of rewakes up our prefrontal cortex. It makes, it gives us a new source of motivation. This so, is so cool. I just, doesn't it make you so excited to know that this can happen? You can absolutely. make a good choice. Oh, you can absolutely make a good choice. And people do this all <laughs> the time, right? There is someone today in this world who has been overweight their entire life and they will start dieting today and they will never be overweight again. There's someone, mm-hmm. here's someone in this world today, there's dozens of people in this world today who will have smoked their last cigarette for the rest of their life today or taken their last drink. People change all the time. Mm-hmm. The key is that you have to know how change works. You yes. have to understand how your own brain works and, and admit to yourself, like, it's easy not to change. It's easy to go grab that pastrami sandwich if I don't force myself to think about what I'm doing before I walk into the cafeteria. But it's also easy to wake up my prefrontal cortex, to not let myself ignore my hand reaching for the pastrami sandwich. And sometimes it's, it, to do that is as simple as just saying to a friend, there's some sandwiches in there. I'm going to w- watch me. I'm going to walk past <laughs> Watch me. Right. And that was one of the cool things about the book too, is that I think it was the Starbucks example um, where they were training their employees on how to handle, you know, different kinds of customer experiences. And it kind of showed how planning for failure can help you succeed. Planning for failure is critical to helping you succeed. That's so cool. So there, there's a there's a um, a researcher named um, Prochesca who's out of the University of Rhode Island who who is basically kind of the leading authority on how to get people to quit smoking. And what he found, and this is really interesting, is he found that on average, smokers quit seven times before they're successful at giving up smoking for good. And so that raises kind of an interesting question, like what's so magic about that eighth time, mm-hmm. right? Like why, why does something different happen on, on try number eight? And it's not, it's not exactly that number for every person, but that's about the distribution. It's a, that's the average. And what he found is, is the first couple of times someone quits smoking, they give up cigarettes, they go a week, they go two weeks, and they're like, man, I've done it. I've given up cigarettes. And then something stressful happens. Right. They have a bad day at work. Their mother-in-law comes to visit. Something happens that, that and, and they find themselves under so much stress and they just, they grab the cigarettes and they have a cigarette and they've, and they've, they've done it. That happens the first time, the second time, the third time. By about the fourth time, when that person gives up cigarettes, they say to themselves, now I know <laughs> that when my mother-in-law shows up, I'm going to be craving a cigarette like crazy. So I need to decide right now when it's easy. I need to decide what I'm going to do yeah. when my mother-in-law shows up rather than have a cigarette. So they say, okay, if my mother-in-law shows up, I'm going to go take a walk around the block or I'm going to go see a movie or I'm going to call up Jim and we're going to go to a bar together. I'm going to do, I have a plan in place of what to do rather than grab a cigarette. 
during a stressful moment. The, within psychology, these are known as implementation intentions. When I deliberately say, when X happens, which is stressful, I am going to do Y. And I come up with those before the moment when X happens because right. it's easier to, to make a choice at that moment. And, and the insight there is that basically the reason why people end up quitting smoking is not because they just give up cigarettes. It's because they recognize where failure is most likely and they come up with a plan what to do when they are likely to fail. Mm-hmm. And that's critical. And, and there's kind of a mindset for this, which is if we think of our life as a series of experiments, then when we do fail, it means that we're learning something useful, right? Like mm-hmm. no scientist goes into a lab and if they do 100 experiments and all the experiments are successful – they come out exactly as ex- scientists expected. No scientist says that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like the whole point of doing experiments is that some of them are supposed to fail so that you learn something new. And our life is the same way. If we think of our life as a series of experiments, then when you trip and you end up having that drink or that cigarette, as long as you wring all the data from it that you can, all yeah. the lessons that you can, then it's not really a failure. It's it's an experiment that touches something new. Yeah, you can sort of delight in having more information. That's and exactly right. Making a different choice next time. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's gonna be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Um, uh, my PhD is in religious studies, so I was particularly fascinated by the um, AA discussion mm-hmm. and the importance of decentering yourself and maybe having something bigger than you that is an inspiration or whatever did that surprise you that cuz i know that scholars do not enjoy that all the time so i was wondering what your thoughts were well i think that you know in general um th- there's been a lot of skepticism of aa from the academy from sort of the researchers mm-hmm. in part because it's the 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 guy who came up with it, Bill, um, and and people who have who have continued it weren't scientists themselves. So there's <laughs> so you know there, there's like a the AA and most programs like it are built around a twelve step program, and the reason why there's twelve steps is because the guy who came up with it, Bill, he was sitting in a in a hotel room like jotting down these ideas, <laughs> and there was a Bible there, and so he decided to have twelve steps because there's twelve apostles, <laughs> right? So there's there, it's not the most scientific grounding in how AA started. But we know that for millions and millions of people that AA works. And then you're right. There's, a, there's an additional skepticism of AA because one of the steps is that you have to pledge belief in a higher power, right, which for a long time was God. It's not God anymore. But, but again, researchers are skeptical of things that, that make you pledge belief in something <laughs> that can't be empirically proven. Yeah. But, but researchers since then have actually shifted their thinking quite a bit as they've looked at AA and how it works. And what they've discovered is that Oftentimes, belief, whether it's belief in sort of a, 
in a god or belief in something supernatural or even just belief in something that's relatively mundane. Belief is a learned skill. It's like a muscle. You have to practice it in order for it to become strong. And so belief in yourself, belief that you can change, if you have a very weak belief muscle, it will be very, very hard for you to believe in yourself, mm. right? You're just, you're just out of practice. And one of the things about believing in a higher power, and again, AA says the higher power can be nature, it can be Gaia, it can be Burning Man, the spaghetti monster, or it could be Jesus, that, that just practicing belief in something strengthens that belief muscle. And as that belief muscle gets stronger and stronger and stronger, it gives us the ability to begin believing in ourselves. And we know that change requires belief, right? To make it through those moments of temptation or those moments of, of challenge, you have to believe that you have the capacity for change. And we learn how to believe by practicing belief. Don't you think it's kind of bonkers that you're basically everybody's life coach now? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. <laughs> My wife would definitely disagree with <laughs> her life coach. You know, one of the things in the book that really stuck with me was the stories of the folks who have, I guess, brain damage and memory loss and the way in which their mind is still forming, I don't know, connections or, or memory or... I don't know what it, you would even call it. And Habits, yeah. Yeah. How the heck do you think that's going on for real? Well, I, again, it comes back to this basal ganglia. So, so oftentimes when people suffer brain damage where they seem to be amnesiacs, right? There's, there's one um, guy in the book uh, who's mentioned who he, because he, he got viral encephalitis um, that destroyed a part of his brain, he basically can't form any memories that are more than 12 seconds long, right? So if you introduce yourself to him, you know, and wait a minute, he won't have any idea who you are. But his basal ganglia was actually uninjured by the mm-hmm. disease. And so as a result, he can form, he can form new habits. So there's this great yeah. scene that I, I love that one of his doctors described to me where he would, the doctor came in and he gave him a test, right? And he said, you know, um, can, you, can you draw a map of your neighborhood, he hands him a piece of paper and the guy says, no, I, I don't, I don't know where, like what my neighborhood looks like. I can't remember. And then he says, okay, can you just draw me a map of your house? And the guy draws one room, the room that they're in. And then he can't draw anything else. He like, can't remember where the bedroom is. He can't remember where the kitchen is. Again, he's an amnesiac. He can't remember these things because he moved in after, after the accident. And, and the doctor's sitting there and he's like coding his notes in. And as he's coding his notes in that this guy can't remember can't draw a, a map of his own home. The guy gets up, walks out of the room, walks into the bathroom, goes to the bathroom. You hear the flush. You hear the water running as he washes his hands, comes back in and sits down again. And all of a sudden this doctor realizes like, if you can't draw, draw a map <laughs> of your house, how did you know where the bathroom was? He, and, and he asks the guy and the guy is like, I, I don't know. I don't know how I knew that. I can't. And then he forgets that he had gone to the bathroom. But the point is that that because his basal ganglia was uninjured, he could create habits. His brain could essentially remember, and that's kind of the wrong word to use, but but his brain could remember what to do. If he feels like he needs to go to the bathroom, there's a certain habit associated with that. And it just follows that habit. And this guy lived for another like 28 years after that injury, creating mm-hmm. habit after habit after habit. It's so mysterious, but it's so exciting I imagine when you were promoting the book that, well, did you feel like there was something that people would bring up that surprised you, that struck them? Or was it pretty predictable what people gravitated towards? 
No, I think what's interesting is just the 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 breadth of when I get emails from people, the breadth of emails that I get describing different types of habits that people struggle with. Right? There's a lot of people who struggle with alcohol and they they read the book and they say, you know, because of this book I was able to I understood how A worked. I understood that I needed to go to A meetings. It's really helped me. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people who have porn addictions mm-hmm. who have written, who have said, like, I, you know, I'm trying to trying to get beyond that. But I think I think what I what I carry away are food addictions. What I carry away from it is that there's a lot of things that people struggle with that if you're not struggling with it, you look at that thing and you say, That doesn't seem like such a struggle. Like, like just stop watching porn. Yeah. Don't have another drink. But for the people who are in the grip of those habit dysfunctions, mm-hmm. it does feel like the end of the world, right? It feels so hard, so impossible yeah. to overcome that behavior. And and you, the person who's saying like it's just so easy to give up, to give up, you know, eating too much, you might have a different habit in your life that you struggle with. Mm-hmm. And I think that what's really important is just to recognize that we all have these struggles. We all have these things that we're struggling with that might be easy for someone else, but that doesn't mean that they're easy for us. But the key is that once we understand how they work, once we understand how the habit loop works, how to take apart the habit loop and put it back together in the way that we want, it does not make change easy, but it definitely makes it easier because we know where to start. Like what's a, what's a, what's a habit that you struggle with? Um, mm, I just ruminate on stuff. I have anxiety, you know? Yeah. Getting that like negative self-talk and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And that's definitely a habit, right? Totally. And so, and so the key is, so, so what's the cue for that? When do you find that that starts? Mm, I guess when I'm overwhelmed with work probably, right? Okay. And, and what's the reward? Like every habit I don't has know, a Charles, so, tell so me. It's, it's providing something for you yeah, that for feels sure. rewarding. I don't know. I got to talk to my therapist. Does it make you feel like if you're ruminating on things, right? Like I'm going to solve the problem, right? Does it make you feel like you're, you're, you're more on top of it? Like, yeah, probably. Yeah. It might be that it's offering sort of a sense of completion that like, I believe that's so dumb. Right. Well, well, but the thing is that what you've shown is that you need that, right? That reward is actually meaningful to you. So that now the question is, What's a new behavior that can be triggered by that old cue? So when you're feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. that can deliver something similar to that old reward. So, so if, you, if you wanted to do something that would give you that sense of, of as long as I'm thinking about it, I'm on top of it, as long, I know that it's going to get done, it'll be a priority for me. What's something else you could do that's going, that's going to be a little bit healthier, a little bit easier for you? Yeah, right. Maybe I should make some kind same, of list or something. I think that's right. I think that like, I mean, my guess is, and again, you'd have to sort of experiment with different things, mm-hmm. but my guess is that you have a, that there's a, a high level of anxiety that you're going to forget about this thing or you're going to let it slip or you're not right. going to make it enough of a priority. So yeah. if you were to take those thoughts, that rumination, and you were to put it, you know, take a huge piece of poster board and write down, here are the three things I absolutely have to do today and put mm-hmm. it like on the most obvious wall so that every time you start thinking about it, you can say to yourself, you know what? I don't have to obsess about this. I have that piece of, that piece of poster board right there that's going to remind me about this. I think that you might find that it might end up changing, changing what's going on inside your head. And that's why this book is so empowering because that sounds too simple, but I think you're right. That it could be just a little behavioral change that changes the whole cycle. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds simple, except that you haven't done it, right? Yeah. Like, I, think, I think that, like, sometimes we say, like, it can't be as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Except that if it was so simple and easy, we would have already done it. <laughs> and, and my guess is you don't have big pieces of pasteboard all over your house. Right. You probably have a bunch of reasons not to put pieces of pasteboard <laughs> all over your board all over your house. Right. What would I do with all that extra time I'd create? <laughs> right. Right. So I think that like, I think that, that actually doing these things and experimenting with them, and maybe that won't work. Maybe that's not the reward right. that you're looking for. But if you conduct these little experiments, I think you'll figure out what, what makes it easier for you to stop having those ruminations. Okay. Well, I'll give it a whirl. In the meantime, um, I just love that the way that your mind works and, and how the things that get your motor running are so helpful to the rest of us. <laughs> so things. I'm wondering like what's got your motor running now? What are you, what's on your mind? Now I'm spending a lot of time thinking, trying to figure out and thinking about um, why it seems like so many conversations aren't working the way that they used to, right? That it, it seems like there was a time when people who had differences of opinion could come mm-hmm. together pretty easily yeah, and those differences wouldn't be condemning. And now something seems to have changed, particularly online, <laughs> that makes it very hard for us to, to find ways to productively disagree or to find ways to, to understand each other. And so I'm trying to understand what we know about that and how it might get better. That's so great. I'm so, so excited. You're such a special person and I just love your brain. So I, whatever you're doing, just keep it up. We have one last thing we ask everybody on the show, which is if you have a car, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Oh, in the trunk of my car? Um, I keep, so I live in Santa Cruz, California. Um, where I surf, my wife and I surf. Oh, nice. So I have a bunch of, um, towels in the back of my car and a mat so that I can um I can change into my wetsuit without my having God, to that's great. So. Aren't you freezing even in that wetsuit though? Oh the wetsuits are pretty warm. They oh really? Job. Yeah. Oh, yeah wetsuit gosh. technology is kind of amazing now. Wow. Okay. Nobody said that answer. That's a perfect answer. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're off the hook. I so appreciate your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 